This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hi, my name is Emily Joan Elliott, and I'm the Managing Editor of East Lansing Info. And today we bring you a new episode of East Lansing Insider, our podcast brought to you by Eli and Impact Radio at Michigan State University. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Graham, who recently published a story for Eli caught between local governments, flooded homeowners struggle for answers, um, which dealt with the aftermath of the heavy rains and subsequent flooding that happened on August 12th. So Andrew, the article focuses just on one street that one side of the streets in East Lansing and the other is in Meridian Township, if I understand correctly. So how did you find out about the street and the problems that they faced after those severe storms? Well, thank you for having me on the pod. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, should, I should say, um, I so I know I'm familiar with Timberlane Street in part because one of the houses that was part of the story that flooded was a house that used to belong to my uh, my grandparents, my mm-hmm. dad's parents. So I was familiar with the neighborhood just by virtue of that. Um, they they both passed away by the time I went to college, so it's been a little separation. But I still know some of the neighbors in the area, right? Um, including uh, Senta Gertler and Alex Ellis, who live on the East Lansing side of the road. She had posted on Facebook about how they had had flooding and were having a tough time dealing with the city and Meridian Township and the fact that they were on the border of the sewer and who pays for what and just it was complex and it was they were trying to deal with that while also trying to deal with sewage in their basement so I followed up shortly thereafter in August with Senta and just sort of went from there, um, talked to her, talked to the other neighbors um, and just kind of got in it from that way. So it was kind of happenstance, I would say Um, just me happening to have known one of these people prior to this happening and then being able to follow up with them. And it actually ended up being a very enlightening story in terms of how people are having to deal with, especially in this case, sort of different public bodies and moving targets and coordinating not just with themselves and maybe the city of East Lansing, but also Ingham County, perhaps Meridian Township, and how it just, it's layer upon layer and it's more and more complex. And at the root of it, all these people want is to know that there won't be sewage backing up into their basements in the future. Right. So maybe for our listeners to best understand this story, can you describe a bit the damage that these homeowners face and, you know, why they're in need of this help? This isn't just like a little bit of water that appeared in the basement. Oh, yeah. So I would say, and this is almost wholly anecdotally, that this flooding was the some of the worst or the worst outside of what we've seen um, in Glencairn around Robert Shaw Park. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these people, the Wendell Burgers, the, the Woods, uh, they had more than a foot of flooding in their basement. And this is flooding that includes raw sewage. So it's cost them just in terms of dollars, thousands of dollars each. I think one resident, Mo Newton, who lives on the corner, it's something like she did an itemized list, which 
definitely include some things that probably wouldn't be covered to begin with, but it's just an accounting of what was lost. And it was like $32,000 right. or something like that. For uh, Anne and Brent Wood, they're going to spend a lot of money just to get drywall redone, get flooring redone. And then it's going to cost a bunch of money to take preventative measures. But the big, the big deal was that they got 20, some people had 20 inches to two feet, more than a foot of raw sewage and water coming into their basement overnight in the morning of August 12th. And I kind of can't <laughs> put into complete scope what that does to folks. Right. Um, because we can obviously grasp the physical cost and the material cost and you know you had to buy x sheets of drywall and pay a contractor and get restoration services but for the wendelbergers for instance they have two young sons and their playroom is downstairs and so that got destroyed and then while they're cleaning up they have to try and deal with taking care of their two young sons which is it's just it's just whatever anyone had going on in life it's just suddenly if you had this massive thing have to come to the top of the list while still keeping on with everything else. Yeah, I noticed too in your reporting, there is that time aspect that can't ever really be repaid back. But also some of what was lost, it's one thing to lose a couch in your rec room is frustrating. But some of the things that were lost were irreplaceable, like exactly. family heirlooms and mementos and you know, the macaroni art project from when someone was in kindergarten. <laughs> but, and those things mean exact, something exactly. to people, oh, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's, that's, I think that's the the real truth here is that, you know, for all the physical monetary damage and time spent cleaning, I think that the people I spoke to on Timberlane were very understanding that, like, yeah, we got an, an, an exceptional amount of rain and that, like, they, they weren't, like, angry at the city that there had been flooding. It was just more wanting to have confidence about it being solved going forward, too. So it's it was a very interesting dynamic of this horrible thing happening to these people. But they were actually, I thought, had a very good perspective on what they kind of wanted to actually happen about it. Right. So I think that's a perfect segue to talk about what was another issue that you really highlighted well in your article is the confusion on this particular street about who should help and where the residents should turn for answers. So as I understood it, there was kind of three main players. There was the yes. city of East Lansing, where one side of the street has residents. The other side of the street, there's Meridian Township. In the middle, there's a sewer line that's controlled by the city of East Lansing. But there is also the Ingham County Drain Commission, which is involved with some upkeep. So where did these residents first turn for help? So I would say mainly East Lansing, mm -hmm. the city of East Lansing would be the first one, but along with Meridian Township. So the the first person, I believe, and this is not, I am not certain on this, but they contacted East Lansing Department of Public Works. So it was Ron LaCasse, Nicole McPherson. Um, the, the folks who are mentioned in the story. Right. And just wanted to, one, know what happened and get some clear answers about what, what might have failed, what what was maybe overwhelmed, what couldn't be improved or, you know, solved and like sort of their specific situation and also just wanting some accountability. So as they reached out to Meridian Township, the answer from the township effectively became, despite the four 
houses on one side being residents of Meridian Township, that the way the sewer system works is that Meridian and East Lansing, Meridian Township and East Lansing are on the same sanitary sewer system. It goes to the same wastewater treatment facility. I'm in Meridian Township. I flush my toilet. Someone in East Lansing, they flush their toilet, goes to the same place. Right. But the way it, who actually owns the pipes, as I understand it, is the city of East Lansing. Mm-hmm. And so under, I think it's Public Act 222 of the state of Michigan, this is what Meridian Township cited, that because they don't actually own the infrastructure in question, they're not liable, basically. So they've still been generally responsive and, you know, they, they these are still residents who they're paying for this service that Meridian's leasing out from East Lansing. So they're not ignoring it, but the general impression I've gotten is that they're ready to wipe their hands and let East Lansing deal with it because they don't have to deal with it. And that then sort of shifts it back to East Lansing. You mentioned Ingham County's involved and right. they are because the stormwater drainage is separate from the sanitary sewer there. And that's sort of what a lot of the sewer upgrades in other parts of the city are happening to separate stormwater and sewer. So it's already, it was done there in the late 80s. And theoretically, that means a lot of rain shouldn't cause a bunch of sewage. They're not together, but yet that was what happened. Right. So the drain commissioner, for their part, Pat Lindemann said, they had checked things out after the flooding on August 12th, said everything's appears to be in working order and the residents didn't report stormwater, they reported sewage. I spoke with some residents after that and they pointed out that once you see a bunch of sewage, it's kind of hard to determine if there's also stormwater in there <laughs> too, which I tend to agree with. <laughs> but point being, Lindemann basically in the Drain Commission's effective answer is the stormwater stuff worked fine. It was too much rain for it to handle, period. That's why it was overwhelmed. But we can't just dig massive canals to handle any amount of rain we get. So I get it. So effectively, it kind of all started pointing back to East Lansing. Mm -hmm. And we still haven't gotten much movement from them in terms of what happened or explaining what happened. Do you want me to talk about the catch basin while we're talking about Ingham County? I kind of like went over that, but. Yeah, if you want to go ahead. <laughs> so so the part of the, the stormwater infrastructure that's out there is there's an underwater stormwater tube pipe drain that runs out to bigger things and eventually it gets into the Red Cedar and Grand River. Um, and that's, I think, a 36-inch stormwater main. And part of the way water gets to it in the area is there are catch basins, which many of us have they're in they're all around and i'm sure we've seen them in different spots but it's kind of it just is like a concrete hole in the ground with a grate over the top it looks like a storm sewer on a street but they'll potentially be in a field in a park off sort of a wooded trail or sort of in low-lying areas where storm water can get picked up and moved out of the way Mm -hmm. so there's a couple of them along timber lane and timber lane is separated in that portion so you go north and south on timber lane it stops. There's sort of that grassy part and it goes to Bertram Park for people right. familiar with the area. And then on the other side of Bertram Road, there's a little bit more of Timber Lane technically that's not connected. So we're talking about the southern portion south of Bertram Park. And if you go up, there's sort of a grass lane connecting Bertram Park to Timber Lane Road. There's a catch basin about 20 yards up that lane off to the left. 
That's a county catch basin. There was confusion between East Lansing and the county about who was to maintain it. The city engineer, as I understand it, believed it was their job to maintain every two or three years and that the last time they had done it was 2018, meaning it is due for maintenance. And then it was determined the county sent out an engineer who then said, no, it is in fact our catch basin to maintain, which turns out to be the correct answer. I confirm that with the city and the county. But then comes the question of that actual catch basin, which I went and looked at, and there's a photo of it in the story. It's simply full of dirt and mud and leaves, just chock full of debris. And I I went out and did a a little scientific test where I took, I got like a five foot length of PVC pipe and just stuck it as far down into the mud as I could get it to go. And it went about three and a half feet down of just solid gook and just sludge basically in that thing. So that doesn't seem to entirely square with Lindemann's answer that all of the stormwater drainage worked as needed down there. Um, So that was just a little aside about the specific infrastructure there. Right. So earlier you had said what the residents of Timberlane really just wanted was confidence that they won't be dealing with this every year or every few months, that the system, the sewage system and the stormwater drainage systems will function properly going forward. And they... If I understood correctly, the residents organized a meeting where representatives from Meridian Township and from the city of East Lansing could come and speak to them. Can you tell our listeners a bit about that meeting and what was said? Yeah, so I use the word meeting because I think that's the best word to categorize it. But right. um, the residents didn't quite describe it as such. They used a slightly fruitier term that I won't use. But basically, it was originally, as I understand it, Mo Newton had been speaking with Nicole McPherson. And Nicole had effectively offered to say, hey, I let me come out there and see what's up. Right. And to Nicole's credit, she's done that a lot around both Timberlane and the city in response to this flooding. Um, she has put herself front and center for residents in response to this. So I do, I give her a lot of credit for that. So she offered to come down and come take a look at the sewer, just take a look with some engineers and some, some city work crew. And Newton ended up getting Derek Perry and Jonas Ashrady from the Meridian Township Engineering Public Works Department to come. And as this was where the storm drain deal with Ingham County happened, that was later on. And so what the residents were kind of expecting was just to be able to sit down and discuss who's responsible for what, how can we go forward to do what we need to do as individuals and what can you do as municipalities Mm -hmm. to begin improving or or ameliorating this situation so the next time it rains, we don't have to be fearful of sewage in our basements. That's what their sort of hope and expectation of it was going to be. It was not that. Um They apparently went up and down the street a little bit, taking off manhole covers. This would be the the work crews, not the actual residents. And looking down into the the sewer manholes and supposedly did not see much. And it just became this thing of inspecting. And then the Meridian Township crew was there as well. And they kept checking these storm drains and, you know, this manhole. And I think they, one Mo said they had checked, I think, seven of them total or some, some number of them. So they spent a few hours doing that, and then eventually the Ingham County person shows up, and this the catch basin ordeal occurs about figuring that out. Um, and so it ended up being, 
I think I used the word endeavor in the story to sort of describe the whole thing of it wasn't it wasn't unproductive and it wasn't just sort of like tooling around and not getting anything done. But it wasn't they kind of felt it was supposed to be this meeting where they could sort of talk and hash out what's going on and what's next. And instead, it was still sort of more of talking in circles and no real baseline of what happened and what happens next. Right. Did the inspections of taking off the manhole covers reveal anything? Nothing conclusive and nothing that was really shared with the residents at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. I can assume the city engineers and folks garnered a lot more information out of it than I am in possession of. But my general understanding is that they didn't see anything out of the ordinary or anything that wasn't in line with what they expected given the amount of rain we had or that would indicate some failure as as i know it so sure um so we have listeners probably who don't live on timberlane being it's a pretty small street (laughs) i would hope hope we have some more listeners than just (laughs) one street (laughs) but i thought I know that, as you mentioned earlier, the flooding has affected so many communities and neighborhoods in East Lansing. So I thought maybe we could go over what some homeowners can do to protect their homes, which you wrote about in a previous article, perhaps a month ago at this point. But what might you do to prevent the sewage and the water coming into your home? Yeah. So the most obvious straightforward one is to get a backflow or a backstop, backwater. There's a hundred different names for them, valve. It's basically a a locking, sort of reverse flow locking valve, where if the water flows out, it just flows out, goes out. Mm-hmm. But the second it tries to come back the other way, it's supposed to, by just physics and the design of it, close up and prevent backflow. Right. Those aren't 100%, however. They they did fail in some instances, we've heard, in Glencairn, and just are not. I, pl- plumbers will tell you that it's it's a good option, but they are not foolproof and not right. guaranteed to prevent sewage into your basement. And that's also because it can come in through not just your floor drain or your sump, but it is possible for flooding to get in other ways, not sewage necessarily. Right. So the backstop valve is one. Another one is you can dig a French drain. This was less helpful for sewage, but for stormwater. And that's another, that's an exterior water diversion method. It would basically create sort of a quasi submerged channel in your yard to flow water away. That is, however, quite a labor intensive <laughs> endeavor to put in. And then there's sort of specific measures that people can take depending on their home. And this is where I can't speak specifically, but I know for some people, the woods, for instance, they're getting a new backup generator and like a a water powered sump pump. So it's a pump that basically by water flowing through it will keep water flowing through it. Okay. So it works on physics, not electricity. (laughs) Right. And that it could theoretically keep removing some amount of water even if your power goes out so you you can take i mean you can get really extensive with it if you want to but i would say the the basic ones to consider would be making sure your sump pumps in good order potentially getting a backstop valve and a backup sump pump would be the other one i'd say because those can also fail or just not be enough capacity but part of the story here too that i talked to with homeowners is that some of them already have this stuff and some right. of them feel like they'd take these actions and it still might have problems and that it's there's 
they can do what they need to do and they're willing to, but they also want to know that East Lansing, Meridian Township, Ingham County are doing what they need to do to make sure this doesn't happen as well. Right, because it's a sewer system that involves more than just their home. So, exactly, you know, yeah. you mentioned that you could take all these measures and it won't necessarily stop flooding or backups. It could just lessen the chances. So part of this story, too, is people who didn't have flood insurance because they didn't need it based on where they live and making claims with the city and or with Meridian Township. And do you know how that has panned out? So a claim in which an insurance company or a municipality would help cover defray some of the cost of the damages. Right. So yeah, basically it's the, I know more about the Meridian Township one, funnily enough at this point, because one of the residents actually filed a claim and had it denied. Right. But basically the, the claim doesn't, I mean, it's through the city or Meridian Township, but it really goes to some risk protection firm that they hire to insure their sewer and basically there's sort of it's spelled out on the city of east lansing website and i believe meridian township has something similar of the criteria you need to meet to have a successful claim against the city regarding sewer failure and it includes proving i think that there was a default that in the sewer that caused up to 50 or like it's it's quite a burden on the individual filing the claim to prove it all, basically. Right. And they can file a claim and it would potentially pay out if it worked out. But Meridian Township claims have been denied um, on what I mentioned earlier with Public Act 222 of their... They don't assume the liability, they are saying, because they don't own the pipes. They have an agreement to be on the system with East Lansing, which would mean that East Lansing is then liable. And one of the Meridian residents, Mo Newton, filed with East Lansing, but hasn't heard back yet about that claim. So it's kind of a very hit or miss process from what I mm -hmm. can understand or what it what it feels like to residents, at least, and that they don't think there's a lot of hope that that would do anything for them because it's there's just so much burden on them to prove so much and they still can't even really just get a clear answer just for their own purposes about what happened. So that's kind of they've filed some claims and I still think it's worth doing it if you believe you have an issue, but it's it's quite a burden to try and actually get that claim accepted right we have about five minutes left so i thought what would be helpful for our listeners is if you gave us a recap of how the flooding came up at city council last night and what the bone <laughs> of contention was there yes so it came back up last night at city council last night being tuesday october 5th right and it wasn't on the agenda as any specific item but city manager george lahanis brought it up during his communications from the city manager basically the point where he can say here's what's up in the city city staff here's what we're doing share that and so he shared that in november city council would get a presentation from mcpherson and department of public works about the august 12th rain event and flooding and the sewer system following that sort of a week or two after that there will be a similar presentation for the public as a webinar and then even shorter term than that in the by the time 
this is out, one of them will already happen. There are some pop-ups happening in Glencairn at Robert Shaw Park. The one you'll be able to attend to if you listen to this would be on Tuesday at 10 a.m., I believe. There'll be cider and donuts, and it's a chance for residents to be able to just speak directly with Nicole McPherson about construction and flooding and Glencairn. But the the bone kind of came regarding both looking into how the construction impacted flooding at Glencairn and the speed of getting this information. So the speed is a little easier to explain. So Lisa Babcock basically asked why November? This was something that happened in August. She asked about it in early September. Why November? And Lahanis, I would say defensively, but that's my own editorializing, answered about how they are short on staff in the engineering department, which is true. And there's a lot of construction. And basically, they couldn't get like when November is when they could have the stuff together. So that's when you're getting it was effectively his answer. So that was that. And then Ron Bacon pushed back on Lahana said they're getting written reports from the engineering firm that designed the sewer project in Glencairn and the contractors who are actually building it. Um, and Bacon said that he would he would support having a second opinion or basically a, a third party, an external, another investigation or inquiry into how the construction there impacted flooding. Basically, and I, I think he's got a decent point here that if you're having the department of public works or the engineering firm or the contractors who are building and designing it sort of review their own work, there's a question of impropriety there. And Bacon said that, you know, for the sake of closure on this subject and something that's a very hot button issue in the city, rightly so it's in the best interest of the city and everyone to have a clearly independent take an inquiry on how the construction in Glencairn impacted the flooding. There's a problem about how you actually do that because that, mm-hmm. you know, independent flood investigative body doesn't <laughs> just exist. And the only way it would likely work is if the city were to hire an engineering firm to come review it, at which case they've paid someone and they're not really independent anymore. So it is a challenging quandary but i do think it gets at the point of the residents in glencairn are fully convinced at this point that the construction impacted the flooding and the despite the city saying otherwise it seems that members of city council are curious to learn more and have a very clear idea of whether it did or did not affect the flooding there right so we have a minute and a half left and we have tried to do you Alice and I like a weird thing of the week so was there a weird thing in your reporting this week Andrew or from last night's city council that you would want to highlight in our last minute here I can get this done quick because actually the note we have on our google doc about the the transportation was kind of brings it up so there's a meeting of the East Lansing Transportation Commission jointly with the Meridian Transportation Commission but it was just weird like not to say like the meeting was they they talked about like transportation issues in both places and they discussed um, the tower road like Lansing intersection which is a big deal but it was just like I, I I can't describe it but it just kind of felt like the meeting took place in the twilight zone the mics weren't working they were dying and going on and I didn't know who half the people were because they were from Meridian Township at first and there was about as many people at the meeting meeting there was a bunch of people in the public comment audience from tri-county bicycle association so it was just a weird time generally that's my weird reporting experience 
Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Andrew. I know it was a combined meeting of the authority in one municipality and the other, but that's where we're going to leave off today. Thank you all for listening. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.